The 12 Days of Journos, yet another instance of Journos holiday-themed content from Stephen Jackson and Brandon R. Reynolds. Hello! Hello, Stephen? Brandon? Oh, gosh, what a surprise. What, what an amazing that? surprise. What is up? Hey, how are you on this rainy, rainy day? Doing well, thanks for asking. Oh, good. Stephen, you know what today is? What is it? Stephen, today is the fifth day of Journos. Ooh, yeah. You know what that means. I don't. Five golden rings. Or, you know, our version of that. <laughs> that was quite the, uh, it, it, that wasn't a fanfare. That was pentatonics. That was pentatonics. Okay. So on the fifth day of journos, our version of the five golden rings is, you guessed it, the Olympics. You remember the Olympics, Stephen, from back this summer, a million years ago? I do. And I'm already looking ahead to the Olympics, which are nearly upon us. Next year. That's Yeah, that's actually a good point. Yeah, the Olympics were delayed a year because of COVID, as you may remember. So there was a strange conceptual wormhole that they worked themselves into where the 2020 Summer Olympic Games were held in the summer of 2021. So you can imagine there were some insane discussions on that one, how they tried to figure it out. Yeah, totally. And also, they, they, they just passed up the best 2020 Olympic logo ever using the rings as the zeros. Yeah, that's a good point. Discussions were many, as I understand, around how to do these Olympics, whether to do them in 2020, then they decided to do them in 2021. And then you had all of these other places where smart-ass pundits were like, hey, we'll host it. Like a conservative in London was like, we'll take it. And the state of Florida said, why don't you let us do it in 2021? But anyway, the 2020 Olympics happened 2021. It was in Tokyo, behind closed doors, no spectators. So it was a very austere event held, you know, in late July and early August. Do you remember much about the event, Stephen? Um, you know, I do. I, I was watching a lot of the, the tennis, which is kind of silly because it's like one of the sports uh, that occurred during the Olympics that you can kind of watch all year long. But I found myself connecting with the sport quite a bit. We were using that app that NBC Sports offered this summer, and it was pretty cool. You could kind of like scroll through all of the different events and find all the random weird ones. And yeah, I, I frankly, I enjoyed watching the Olympics this year. For non-sports oriented journalism wonks like myself, and probably others, the real sport to me was uh, the behind-the-scenes shenanigans. There was bribery, uh, plagiarism. Uh, the plywood that was used to build the stadium came from endangered rainforests. Oh, People yeah, got bent yeah. out of shape about that. Yeah, the plywood thing, that was bad. A bunch of officials resigned because they were sexist or racist or had bullied somebody or just said obnoxious stuff. 10,000 volunteers quit, and then, you know, the grand procession at the end of drunk Australians destroying their village hotel rooms and throwing up all over the place and on the flight home. That kind of wraps up the Olympiad every year, as you may remember. Yeah, I think that's tradition. That's right. But do you remember the biggest controversy of the Olympics, Stephen? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. And it, it also happened uh, off the field. There was first this, uh, I, and I think we're thinking about the same things. We're both talking about these cardboard no sex beds, right? Cardboard no sex beds, that's right. Yeah, that was definitely the story that stole the world's heart. A few folks speculated that these modular cardboard beds were um, 
constructed in, in such a way that it would make making love as it's called what a it, traditionalist it, 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 yes. it, it would it would it was meant to uh curtail making love in these beds because it would uh you know it, they 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 would allegedly um fall apart right and so there's all <laughs> olympiad coitus is how they call it. <laughs> that's, that's the uh, technical term that's uh, right. so, but anyway so people um started calling them these anti-sex beds. But then um, a gymnast from Ireland quickly uh, debunked this claim. His name was Reese McClenahan. And uh, he created a video showing him jumping on the bed, quote, the New York Times, to demonstrate that it could withstand vigorous activity. And to boot, they're sustainable. So that was the real reason why these beds were used. Yeah, so there was this whole utopian 1960s ideal of using corrugated cardboard for furniture and for all this other stuff. We were going to build a whole world out of corrugated cardboard. And that was all kind of blown up by misinformation spread by this one American runner. So, you know, there's always a little bit of drama behind the scenes. at the Oh, for, yeah, but most certainly. And, and in order to kind of further discourage any drama or bacchanal that I guess apparently occurs every time the Olympics are held, alcohol sales were banned. And then they distributed fewer condoms than they typically do. They've been doing the condom distribution since the Seoul Games in 1988. But uh, during the Rio Games in 2016, they handed out a record 450,000 of them. And during the, the and during the last Olympics, they only handed out about one third as many as that. Great concept for a sci-fi movie is somebody goes around collecting all of that errant genetic material and using it to engineer an entire army of super soldiers. <laughs> I don't know. Tuck it in your hat. Anyway, speaking of athletes, it's one of the things that we most admire about the games is their physical performance, their mental toughness, their dedication, their sacrifice, their ability to withstand the stress of public scrutiny and social media, all that stuff. And so one of the big stories that emerged from the games this year was this mental health conversation that popped up, particularly after Simone Biles, who's tied for the most medals of any gymnast, dropped out of some of the competitions because she was stressed, because she was having some mental health issues. And that sort of followed on the heels of tennis star Naomi Osaka dropping out of the French Open way back in May of this year, saying that she'd been struggling with depression. And so you saw in the media this emergence of these stories about mental health issues and what these athletes were doing to cope. Michael Phelps was brought up as somebody who said he was struggling with suicidal thoughts. This is a year and a half into the pandemic. Mental health issues for everyone are sort of top of mind. How do we cope with not even performance at a high level, but just getting through the day when all of these things are in flux? And so you had the sort of meta game effect of these athletes are not only competing on this world stage, but they're also demonstrating, you know, mental toughness in a different way by not competing instead by like taking care of themselves. Yeah, no, I think it uh, brings up this central idea of, you know, strength versus resilience, right? Those two things are often confused with one another. You know, resilience in the long run is a lot more important. And, you know, resilience is the ability to bounce back from problems and the ability to sort of identify the hardships and then do what you need to do to come back a stronger person rather than just putting your head down and sort of powering through. It's kind of, it feels like that's like a big holdover from, um, 
like a middle of the century idea of, of, of being macho or anything like that. Yeah, it was pretty wild. And you saw the the leftovers of that mentality where when Simone Biles backed away, all of a sudden there was all this criticism from people who were like, oh, you need to be tougher. There was some criticism on Twitter, mostly from, you know, some conservative voices, people saying like, suck it up, you need to do your job. And interestingly, yeah, the, the response to that was people being really supportive of this thing that so many of us suffer from. Yeah, so you have people demonstrating, you know, amazing feats of skateboarding, but we also are seeing now people demonstrating amazing feats of mental awareness and self-care and all of this kind of strange, very personal, very private stuff. I wonder if these conversations would have started to occur if we weren't in the pandemic. I wonder if the athletes themselves felt more empowered to be brutally honest with the public because we've all been through this collective trauma. And I wonder if the public was also that much more receptive to that honesty because of all of the mental hardships that we've all endured, right? Like, I wonder if it was this meeting of two things in this exact moment that allowed that conversation to happen and then have it actually seem to have a bit of teeth, you know, like now that that's out there, you know, the notion of just like a coach screaming at an athlete, you know, and like all of this crazy, like mental, emotional abuse that can occur in organized sports. I wonder if like that will just be not on the table as much anymore. Yeah, I think it's a really good question. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's a shift in how we prioritize and what performance means to us, not yeah. just this physical thing, not just mental toughness, but also kind of a self-awareness, right? And yeah. I think you're right that it's probably in part inspired by the fact that everybody's been going through all this stuff for the past two years now. And, and in a way, we're all sort of participating in the mental health semifinals or quarterfinals or whichever finals they are. Yeah. Um, and so these athletes become an example to us, become exemplars to us in a whole different way and in a way that we can really relate to. Yeah, it highlights this other truth that it takes a lot more strength to own your shit and to face your fears and face your struggles and then grow from them, learn from them and move on. It's, it takes a lot more true strength to do that than it does to harden your mind and emotions around these things that you're struggling with. I think that's great, Stu. I give you a gold medal on interpretation and gentle kindness. Why, thank you, Brandon. And you, and you know what? I hope this is the finals of these, uh, you know, the mental health Olympics because I'm ready. I, I'm ready for the off season. That's right. Yeah. Hopefully, this is the final lap we're getting into. Head in the game. Head in the game. Leave it all in the field. That's a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Stephen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, my man.